great to see you here today, and uh, just so excited about the rest of the service, and uh, I tell you, we've had, uh, Spence and I were talking this morning, we have a lot of moving parts, but, uh, but I tell you, there's nothing more exciting than baptism, and there's, uh, I tell you, for me, there's nothing more special than partaking the Lord's Supper together as a faith family, and so we've got a lot of things that we're sort of combining into the mess, into the service today. But just so excited about what God is doing in this place. If, if you're visiting with us today, if you're our guest today, we are so excited that you're here today. And we just want to say to you, welcome. God's doing some incredibly uh, amazing things in the, in the life of this church. And uh, we, we saw here just a few moments ago just evidence of life change in one of our uh, children, in our children ministry, and a part of our faith family uh, in the next service, I think we have three more that are being baptized. God's just continuing to move in the life of so many people, and it's just so wonderful. You know, something else I want to just mention to you, I know a lot of you are, are, are thinking about this all the time, but uh, uh, I think we're getting very close to being able to pour some concrete one day. Amen. You celebrate that. Uh, I tell you, there, there's been so much that has been going on. There's not been a lot to to report other than, you know, engineers have been working and draftsmen have been drawing and all these kinds of things. We've also been waiting for the rain to quit raining. And, and so there's been a lot of waiting and, and just sort of anticipating uh, the, the new facility. But over the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to see some big changes. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to bring a very detailed update on where we are as far as vertical and all that God is doing there. So I'm excited about bringing you that in, in a couple of weeks and just sharing that with you as well. Um, but, but until then, let me just say this, and, and I know you saw it in our video earlier, but I tell you, our local ministry is wide open these days, you know? Uh, I loved in the, in the pre-service video uh, the, the testimony that was being given, uh, a letter from someone who is a beneficiary of the bumper bag ministry here at Cross Point. And I'll tell you, your efforts in providing food uh, once a month through our bumper bag ministry is making a huge difference in the lives of so many. And so I just want to say to you this morning, Cross Point, thank you for just your efforts in that ministry. You know, there's just so many things that God is doing in the life of this church. We have an opportunity this morning to take a baby bottle and to put our spare change in that baby bottle and bring that back at the end of the month and, and, and make a huge difference in one of the local ministries here in our church. And then, you know, things like Bubs, which is an ongoing ministry to, uh, to children in our community. And, and those things are just really happening. And so I'm just excited about what God's doing in this place and what he's going to be uh, continuing to do in the weeks to come. And, and uh, so excited to see you here this morning. I want to pray for us. Then we're going to dive into God's Word, and then at the end of the message, or at the end of the service today, we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper. So let's pray and just ask God to bless this time together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for this day, and God, we thank you for your presence in this place. God, where we can come and collectively gather together and worship you in spirit and in truth. God, to hear our children uh, as, they, as they shout out for Jesus, God, it's just so encouraging to know that, that ministry on a very real level is being done in this place. An old Winn-Dixie building, God, that we call our faith family and our church home. But God, we thank you also for the, for the mighty work that you're doing as, as you prepare for us a new and permanent home for us to move into. And God, we just celebrate that together this morning. 
But Father, this morning we also ask that you prepare our hearts and our minds for the message here this morning. God, as we look at a very important issue, a very important topic that your word speaks to us about, God, I pray that you would speak deeply into our hearts and that, God, we would be able to set aside every distraction that exists in our life today. That as we study your word together, that, God, you would speak into us and, and, and we would grow and learn in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and it's in his name that we do pray. Amen. You know, as I was preparing for this message this morning, I was thinking about the diversity of our church. The reality is this, is that there are so many differences in who we are as individuals. You know, we gather in this room, and every one of us have a very unique fingerprint. That's something that we that we know that exists in our world today, that every human being has a different fingerprint. But we gather in this place and we all have a, a different hairstyle or maybe a different hair color. Uh, we have different eye colors. Some of us uh, have different skin colors. And so in many ways, we are different. Some of us here today are taller than others. Some are a little bit leaner than others. Some are a little bit muscular than others. But, but the reality is we all are different in our own unique way. We have different interests. We have different things that we enjoy doing. And so as you examine who we are as a faith family, you can't help but notice the diversity that exists in our lives. But there's one thing that we all have in common that we are sitting here today. One thing that, that we can all say is true about every single individual in this place, and that's this, that we all have a physical body. We all have a physical body. We are, as, as people, we are living, we are blood-pumping, air-breathing, alive beings on this planet. And we all have a very physical body. They may be different, they may look different, but the reality is we all have a living body. If you're here today and you have a pulse, you are who I'm talking to, okay? If you're not, just raise your hand and we will call EMT to come out and see about you this morning. But the reality is we all have that in common. We all have a physical body. And the reality is, is that the Bible has something to say about our bodies. And that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning. You know, typically when we, when we think, when you and I think of our Christianity, we typically think in terms of our soul or either our minds. You know, as far as it pertains to our soul, as we, as we contemplate our Christianity as it pertains to our soul, we think about the reality that one day we will be in heaven, that one day we will spend an eternity with him. And so oftentimes as we contemplate Christianity, we're thinking of our Christianity in terms of our soul, or maybe we're thinking of our Christianity as it pertains to our mind. One of the greatest gifts that we can have from, from our Savior is a peace of mind. How many of you are thankful when you are living out your days with a peace of mind, right? It's wonderful to be filled with joy, to be filled with peace, the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding. Oftentimes when we think of our Christianity, we think about the things that we're learning, the things that we know with our intellect, the things that we understand with our minds, and we also contemplate on the reality that one day our souls will be in heaven, that our souls are secure. But the reality is, when we look into the Bible, we also see that Christianity pertains to a 
very physical and tangible thing, and that is our bodies. In fact, the Bible speaks very seriously about our bodies. It is a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, the message is titled, I am a temple. And that's what we're going to be looking at here today. I am a temple. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 17, 18, 19, and 20. Four verses in God's Word here this morning as it pertains to the physical bodies in which we have here today. That, that reality that we have a very physical and tangible thing that is our bodies. As I mentioned, Christianity is, is not really just a set of ideas or a way of thinking. It's much more than that. Christianity is very tangible. And one of the things that the Bible speaks about pertaining to our bodies is that these bodies is a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. I noticed that Pastor Gabe mentioned that as he was talking over here, just talking about the, the body being a dwelling place of, of the Holy Spirit. And so that's something that we want to understand. But if God was just wanting us to understand that this was a dwelling place, simply just and only a dwelling place, then in this passage, he could have used the word as he refers to the body as a house or a home, but he didn't. In this passage, he refers to the body as a temple, a sacred place, a holy place, a place where not only God dwells, but where God is honored where God is sacred, where God is glorified. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it in terms like that, but the, the scriptures refer to the, the body as being that dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. We would say it like this oftentimes when speaking to our children, that, that Jesus lives within us. You've probably heard that all your life. And we're referring to the, the body being a dwelling place, but as we're going to see here in the passage this morning, it speaks of more than that. It speaks of the body being a temple, a place where we honor. Paul is addressing this very thing in this passage. He's writing to the Corinthian church. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And one of the things that we understand about the Corinthians as we study who they were as a people, is we begin to realize that the Corinthians were guilty of thinking that sexual immorality was not a big deal. It really wasn't a big deal to them. Now, there's a reason why that is. And it's a reason why Paul would address this to them as he is writing to them. It's why he would use this as an example as he talked about the body being a temple. You see, in, in the city of Corinth, they were known for their immorality, if you will. Corinth was a place where there were a lot of different temples, a lot of different temples of false gods, a lot of temples where the Greek and the Roman gods were, were, were worshipped. And in some of these temples, these, these Roman temples, there was uh, even prostitutes used for uh, a, 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 an instrument, if you will, of worship to these false gods. And so 
The city of Corinth had a huge problem with, with, with uh, sexual immorality. And so Paul wants to dr- address that here in, in his letter to them. You see, for them, they had come to this understanding, this false way of thinking that what they did with their body didn't really impact their spiritual walk. They sort of looked at it as being just different. Well, my body is mine. My mind and my soul is God's. And that's the way they would look at things. And Paul understood this problem that existed in Corinth. And so as he's writing this letter, he addresses the use of our bodies and how it pertains to living a life of holiness and pursuit of righteousness. And so read this with me if you will. Now Paul here, as he's addressing them, he He uses this example of sexual immorality, but in reality, this could be replaced with some other sins as well. Gluttony, for instance. You know, the the overeating or the bad eating habits, as we think about that, that can be a sin as well. But this is what he chose to use as he was writing to them. He says in verse 17 and following, he says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. And that's important that we understand this. The Apostle Paul, he says, he who is joined with the Lord becomes one spirit with him. And so there's this uniting, if you will, between who we are as humans and who God is. And we see this indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And we see that we become one with Jesus. And so he's, he's basically saying to the people in Corinth, You can't separate who you are as an individual. You can't separate your body from God. Your body is not your own to to do with it what you want because you see, when you come to know who Jesus Christ is, what happens is we see this union that takes place, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God within you. And so Paul says here very quickly, he says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. And then he addresses their problem. He addresses the the problem that the Corinthians were dealing with. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexual immoral, immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body, and this is where we see this, is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now this had to be a pretty profound thought for the Corinthians as they received this letter. Because of the way they were living out their life and this this ideology, if you will, of of, of my body is mine to do with what I want as long as I give my heart and my mind and my soul to God. This was challenging for them. Because Paul is talking about this very 
tangible, this very physical thing, our bodies, and he's talking about it being a temple. Did you see that? As we read through the scripture, he didn't just say it's the home of the Holy Spirit. This is where the Holy Spirit resides. He doesn't just say that this is, this is the house that he has chosen to live in while, he, while you live out your existence. He doesn't just use this word dwelling place or home. He says the body is a temple. And I can only imagine for those that were living out this sort of lifestyle that he is addressing here, that for them it was a, a bit shocking to consider. And maybe it is for us as well this morning as we consider that this body is more than just uh, our body. It's a dwelling place of God that is to be used for his glory. So here Paul is addressing this. There are basically two questions that I want to answer for us this morning. Two questions I want us to look at as we dive into this text this morning. I'll go ahead and give you these questions. The first one is, what does it mean that we are bought with a price? Maybe you grew up in, 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 in church and you've heard this before and you never really understood it. But today we want to address this question. What does it mean to be bought with the price. What is Paul referring to here? And the second question is this, what does it mean that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And so these are the two questions that I want to dive into as we look at the text here this morning, as we look at what the Word of God teaches us about all of this. So first, let's look at the first question. What does it mean that we are bought with a price? Now I realize this is looking sort of backwards in our text, but I want us to go to verse 20. I want us to start at verse 20 and sort of work our way back as we look at this here today. But in verse 20, it says this. It says, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You see, when Jesus paid the, the, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the price at the cross, it wasn't just for our souls, it was for all of us. It wasn't just for our souls, it was for, for our bodies as well. When he paid that ransom with his blood, when he shed his blood on the cross for us, he was doing so for the totality of our lives. He was doing so that he would gain all of us, mind, heart, soul, body, all of it. He died on the cross for us in totality. I love what Paul says to Titus as we go and, and look at how he's sort of equipping this young preacher of the gospel. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, he says this. He says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce, to do away with, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, then appearing of, of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. And look at this now. And to purify himself a people for what? For his own possession, who are zealous for good works. 
Man, there's so much that the Bible teaches us about who we are, isn't it? It's not just our heart that he's after. It's not just our soul that he's after. He doesn't want to just transform our minds. He wants to dwell in our bodies. And our bodies become a place where he is worshipped. It's pretty profound, isn't it? To think in terms like that. To think that this body is not mine to do with what I want, but I have been bought with a price. That price is Jesus' death on the cross. His blood that was shed. Not my blood, his blood. He paid the ransom price. He paid the price that eternally I could be made righteous with God. And so here we see this, this understanding. And he did all of this. And this is what is so powerful to me in verse 14 uh, of, of this Titus passage. He did all of this, look at this, to purify for himself a people for his own possession. For his own possession. So we have been bought with a price. Well, what does it mean to be bought with a price? Three things I want to give you. Three things that, that this means. When we see this passage in Scripture, and it says we have been purchased, we have been bought with a price, the price being the blood of Christ, what does this mean? Three things. One is we are not to be mastered by anything other than God. We are not to be mastered by anything other than God. If we go back to verse 12 in chapter 6 of this 1 Corinthians text, if we back up on into a passage that we haven't read yet, if we go back to verse 12, it says this, I have the right to do anything, you say. He's talking about the Corinthians saying, listen, I, don't I have freedom in Christ? Don't I have the right to do whatever I want to do with my body? And so Paul says, well, here's the thing. You have the right to do anything you say. But not everything is beneficial. In other words, what he's saying is, just because you may have the right to do what you want with your body, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily beneficial for your life. And what he's speaking of is the things that we choose to do in the freedom that we have in Christ often leads to a negative impact on our life. And so he says, just because you, have, you, you say you have the right to do something doesn't mean that it's going to help you to do that thing. And so he says here in verse 12, he says, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be, look at this, what Paul says, I will not be mastered by anything. And in other words, what he says is, I will not let anything in this world control me other than Jesus. I won't be a slave to food. I won't be a slave to sexual immorality. I won't be a slave to anything. I won't let anything take over my life other than Jesus Christ himself. And so Paul says, I will not be mastered by anything. My heart, my mind, my soul, my body, it all belongs to Jesus. And I will not be enslaved to anything. And so one of the things that we understand being bought with a price is, is that we are not to be mastered by anything other than God. Many years ago, I was counseling with a young professional, and he came in because he was dealing with something that was affecting his life, and he 
sat down and we began to talk and he began to share with me that, that he was a user, he, he defined himself as a recreational user of cocaine. And he began to talk about what this meant for him. And as he began to share this, I could, I could see the negative impact that it was having on his life. In fact, he was pretty open about the negative impact that, that it was having on his life. But at some point in our conversation, I began to realize that what he was really worried more about was not the neg negative implications that cocaine was having on his life, but rather he was hoping not to get caught and he was beginning to, it was beginning to show at work and things like that. And he was, he was at a place where he was sort of desperate that he not be found out. And I began to talk to him about addiction and how this was affecting his life. And, and I remember him saying to me, he says, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not addicted. I can stop anytime. One of the things he had told me was that he was actually sitting in my office with cocaine in his pocket. And so I invited him. I said, let's go into the bathroom, and why don't we just flush that down the toilet then, and let's get rid of this in your life. And he said, that's a great idea. And he talked a little bit, and I said, let's go. Let's go on into the bathroom. We'll just, we'll just flush this down the toilet, and we'll get rid of this stuff in your life. And he says, well, let me, let me think about it. He ended up leaving the office that day with the cocaine still in his pocket. Because he was mastered by it. He was enslaved to this drug that he already recognized was having a very negative impact on his life. Paul says, you know, I will not be, a master, I will not be mastered to anything. The second thing that we can identify that, that being bought with a price really means for us is this. Is that our bodies are a gift from God. You see, they're not ours to begin with. Our bodies... Whether we like them or not, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm not real fond of, of what I see, but the, but the reality is, is that it's not mine to begin with. It, it is a gift from God. My health is a gift from God. The, the reality that I'm standing here with you today and not laid up in the hospital is a gift from God. It's, God has allowed me to be with you here this morning. And so as we think about what it means to be bought with a price, I look at verse 17, um, excuse me, verse 19, and, and, and the, the word says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Look at the next words, whom you have from who? From God. We're not ours to begin with. Our bodies are a gift from God. I love in the video what Jen said. I, I don't know if you, I, I like what everybody said, but I really sort of zoned in on what she said because it was so I think powerful as it relates to our bodies being a gift from, the, from God. She said, my, she said, for her, my body belonging to God or being a temple, uh, it, it, for her, it was a real hard pill to swallow because she had this habit of sort of taking ownership for that which God had given her to begin with. And I love that. But that's really, quite honestly, a good way to look at how we often live our lives. Our bodies are ours. Our mind and our heart and our soul belongs to God. Whether we or not we've ever said that to ourselves or even spoken that to someone else, oftentimes that's how we live our life. The third thing I want to talk about or, or sort of throw out there, what it means to be bought with a price is this. We are not our own to master either. 
I said earlier we are not to be mastered by anything, but oftentimes we do take charge of our own bodies, don't we? We call the shots. And we are not ours to master. Any more than any substance should master or any any sin should master us, we are not ours in the flesh to master either. We, our bodies are not ours to master. God is the master of our bodies. And it says here in verse 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And then he says this. This is what the word of God says. You are not your own. You see, you've been bought with a, with a price. The apostle Paul, he often uses this word bondservant. In fact, in most all of his letters, he, he mentions something about being a bondservant of Christ Jesus. The bondservant, we're going to be actually looking at this next week as we look at the, a message titled, I Am a Bondservant. But bondservant literally means slave. It literally means a slave to, slave to who? To Christ. And what he's talking about is this reality that, that we are not our own. We belong to Christ Jesus. Not just our minds, not just our souls, but our bodies. We, in totality, we belong to God. And so, we are not our own to master. Now let's look at this next thing, and I want to kind of hurry up because I do want us to move into a time of the Lord's Supper. But we covered this first question, which is what does it mean to be bought with a price? The second question is this, what does it mean that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this for just a moment. Two things I want to give you pertaining to that. First of all, our bodies are to be a place of God's glory. Our bodies are to be a dwelling place, a sacred place, a holy place, a place where He is worshipped, where He is sacred, where he is glorified. Our bodies are not just simply a home, but it is the temple of God. And that's a heavy responsibility for us to carry around, isn't it? But that's a truth concerning who we are in Christ Jesus. And so here we see this truth. Our bodies are a place of God's glory. Look again with me at verse 19. He says this, he says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. This is hugely important for the Christian to understand that with our bodies we are a temple. We have been bought with a price and it wasn't just to serve him but it was a place where he would fill with his holy presence and be glorified. I, I love the passages that speak of, of a filling of the fullness of God in our life. You know, we, we live our lives every day and oftentimes we, we find ourselves praying. But quite honestly, you know, what is happening in our life as we, as we walk with God, as there's this, this filling of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and here's the thing 
I want you to understand, it's not that we're just half full and God's got to cap us off or, you know, every day with this filling, but there's this, this sort of infusion, if you will, that takes place that, that God just continues to increase within us. And so there's a, a daily filling of the Holy Spirit of God within us. We are filled to the brim, and yet he continues to fill and there's many passages in the scripture that talk about this filling of the Holy Spirit of God, this fullness of God that we experience in our life. And, and, I, and I love this. I love to, to understand this. In, in, in Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, he literally prays that they be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that they be filled with the, the fullness of God. Look at this with me, if you will, Ephesians 3, 17 and following. He prays, Paul is praying, he prays that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It goes beyond our minds. It goes beyond our understanding. Christianity is not just simply an idea. It's not just simply a way of thinking. Christianity, Christianity goes beyond our intellect. And he says here, it surpasses knowledge. Now look at this. This is Paul's prayer for the people of God, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Filled with the fullness of God. That our hearts, our souls, our minds, our bodies, everything that we are in totality is experiencing the fullness of God. So our bodies are to be a place of God's glory. And then finally, our bodies are to be with Him for eternity. Our bodies are to be with Him for an eternity. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so shall our bodies be raised and restored, bodies and all. Not just our soul, but our bodies. Raised and restored, perfect in every way. I love how so much of the Bible speaks of this truth. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 20, and the first part of verse 21 it says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. We're going to be looking at that at the, in two weeks as we talk about I am a sojourner on this earth. Our citizenship is not here, it's in heaven. And so in this Philippian passage, we start off by seeing this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body you see that this transforming of the mind this transforming of the heart this transforming of the soul this transforming that will take place of our bodies and then finally john said in revelation chapter 21 he says and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying Behold, look at this now, behold, the dwelling place of God is with who? With man. The dwelling place 
of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And now look at verse four. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. How many of you look forward to that glorious day? When there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more hurt, there's no more anxiety, there's no more of the things that we really could do so much without in our life, amen? The things that hinder us, the things that cause us suffering and pain in our life, all of that will be changed. I love what John Piper said, and I'm almost done here. John Piper once said this. He says, just as he raised Jesus from the dead and gave him an everlasting resurrection body, so he will raise our bodies from the dead and make them whole and new. No more pain. No more deformity. No more disability. No more sexual disortation orientation, excuse me, no more chemical imbalances, no more insomnia, no more disease of any kind. Isn't that beautiful to think about? But you see, God has given us great responsibility to take care of this temple. God has given us a great responsibility to look after this temple. Yesterday, Liddell and I went for a walk. It's something that we have decided that we need to do in light of this message, this conviction. And I'll be honest with you, it rolled around, you know, later in the afternoon. She said, you ready to go for a walk? And I thought, no, I'm not. I am tired. I, uh, I, I did not feel like it, but I knew is something I should do. We started walking and we were about in the first mile and I thought I was going to die. And then I realized this is exactly what I must do. Because you see, it's not my own. God has entrusted me with this body. And one of the most tangible ways I can glorify God, that I can worship Him, is by taking care of it that which he has given me. That which he is dwelling in. You know, in my life, I've witnessed and ministered to so many who deal with, with such suffering in their life. I think a lot of us that are here today, we probably take our health for granted more than we realize. I think for many of us in here today, we should find ourselves being very grateful to Jesus for what we do have as it pertains to our bodies. And this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to do communion together, to come together and participate, to partake in the Lord's Supper. One of the greatest tools that Jesus gave us to Remind us 
of the incredible work that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross for us is the Lord's Supper. He's given us this opportunity to do this together. And in just a moment, we're going to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to invite our men to go ahead and get ready as we prepare to partake in the Lord's Supper. In just a few moments, our worship team is going to come up here, and they're going to lead us in a time of response. But here's my desire this morning as we prepare to close out the service. My desire this morning is for us to, instead of standing up and and sort of carrying out the service as though we, like we usually do, I, I want to invite you to just remain seated. And in a very personal way, I want to invite you to respond to God. As we have studied God's Word together, I'm, I'm certain that God has spoken to each and every one of us in some way. The Bible tells us that God's Word never returns void. Just reading the Word of God, God can speak into our life. And so this morning, I want to invite us to, to just in a very reverent way to worship God individually and to, to try to understand what it is that God is wanting to teach us today concerning our bodies being a temple. And as we prepare to, to do communion together, to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to invite you to, to spend time in prayer and meditation. I'm going to pray, and our ushers will come down during that prayer, and they will take their places. And during this last song, they will distribute the elements, and the band will sing, and I just want to invite you to spend time with God. Just you. Let us not use this time to talk about where we're going for lunch. Let us not use this time to talk about what all we got to get done after church. Let us use this time to speak to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then together, we'll celebrate Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this day. Father, thank you for your presence in this place. God, it is so wonderful to know that, God, you cared so deeply for us that you would send your only begotten Son who would go to the cross and die there, whose blood would be spilled for the atonement of sin. And Father... We thank you for your son who would be taken down from that cross. No longer alive but dead. And be placed in a borrowed tomb. A king without possessions of this world. And God in that tomb he would, he would stay for three days. But on the third day. Through his power, he would have victory over sin and victory over death. 
God, that's what we celebrate. Father, that's why we are here today and celebrate for the incredible work that Jesus accomplished for our behalf. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In his beautiful name, amen.